Hello everyone, welcome again to my monthly podcast in Curious Company. So a lot has happened since the last episode and there's a lot to unpack. There's the good stuff and the not so good stuff. So let's start off with the good stuff. I actually got a show name. Yes, it's called In Curious Company. So shout out to my friend Imad Edrus for his wonderful creativity and I'm so glad that we didn't go with the name In the Nick of Time. Secondly, I got such wonderful feedback from those who patiently listened to episode one. Thank you so much for listening and giving me all those wonderful tips. The one common comment that I got from everyone was about the audio quality. And so I decided to put my money where my mouth is, literally. And I bought myself some really cool audio gear recommended by one of my favorite podcasters, Tim Ferriss. Thirdly, I turned 32 this month. I took the weekend off to enjoy some board games with friends and hence I pushed the production of this episode really far away. So I'm sure you'll cut me some birthday slack. And the not so good stuff. An epidemic which originated in Wuhan, China has now become a full-blown pandemic. And just last week, my office decided to enforce mandatory work from home. And just like the rest of the world, even my city is focused on social distancing to flatten the curve. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll leave a cool video in the show notes to explain that. Bottom line is I literally squeezed out this episode. I procrastinated and then had work deadlines which pushed this even further. But I'm happy to still release this episode, which is meant for February, towards the end of March. And on this episode, I am talking to Shinji, my frolic. Yes, that's the word I use for my friends who are colleagues, who probably were my colleagues first and then became friends. But now they're more friends and less colleagues, but they still work with me. Shinji, who loves to chat over an iced latte. She's a young urban planner and she designs towns and cities for a living. She's a voracious reader and has probably listened to every podcast you can think of. One word to describe her? Esoteric. Just like her favorite podcaster, Tim Ferriss. Now, here's a couple of things that the universe did to conspire this episode. One, I wanted to invite Shinji over for a recording, but I wasn't sure what the topic would be. Secondly, early in February, as Shinji returned from her Chinese New Year celebrations, she was forced to self-quarantine herself due to the COVID-19 epidemic, which at the time affected China only. She decided to write an article about it and then asked for my help on it. Her article was about productivity. And the topic for my second episode was right there, in front of my eyes, ripe for the picking. So in our chat, we speak about her experience, lessons learned, and we share our thoughts on everything in, out, and around productivity. So without further ado, I bring you my conversation with Shinchi. Shinchi. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling really good after dosa. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting, Nick. No, absolutely. Our topic for our discussion today, and just to give everyone a little bit of background mm-hmm. as to why we are talking about this today. Um, sure. You recently came back from China, 
you visited your I family did. for the new year yeah and you celebrated with them but it was also overshadowed by the whole coronavirus exactly and then you had to come back to dubai and quarantine self quarantine yourself for 14 days as mm-hmm. advised by our local company and you experienced something which was a bit different which you normally don't experience and then you wrote a blog about it you wrote a little article about it and we worked together on Thank that you, article yeah. oh you're most welcome but <laughs> i think you took the first step which you is you did the final touch <laughs> <laughs> you clicked on the publish button <laughs> Oh, actually, the publish button was Donald. A Donald, yeah. a third party. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I only put the mouse cursor on the publish button, and Donald actually pressed it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's like it's like we were living history. Who pressed the button? It was Donald. Yeah, Donald. Not us. Okay. <laughs> um, so that experience helps you think about productivity in general, and I thought you know since you're really thinking about it deeply. maybe we could just discuss more just on your thoughts and all the material that you've read and maybe you know just find some insights so one of the questions i wanted to ask you and i'll put your blog article in the show notes as well so that people can read first and realize what um what we're discussing about uh what i want to ask you is do you live to work or work to live If you ask this question to most of the millennials, we would definitely say we work to live instead of live to work compared to our parents generation. Yeah. And why do you think that is? I asked my flatmates about the same questions last night. So what she said is she works to get to a status of like a comfortable life status and to get things she wants to and then to earn the flight tickets to go to the destination she wants to go. Actually I shared a very same point of view as hers because nowadays like most of us want to be a slash person you know what does mean No I don't know it, what a slash person is It actually means okay for example my job I am a urban designer officially on my CV on my LinkedIn but I want to have a slash after my normal work titles I don't want to just be a urban designer I want to be many things out of my work. I want to be a little bit different. I want to be okay, let's say travel blogger. I want to be a singer. I want to be maybe a stand-up comedian. Yeah, I want to do many things out of my life because to be honest, the 8 hours work in a day doesn't really give you the satisfaction of the life that you want to pursue. I think because as a millennial, you just get information all around the world. you see things so differently from our last generation can i have a quote here from tim ferris for our sure. work week yeah so he says doing less meaningful work so you can focus on things of greater personal importance is not laziness this is half a most to accept because our culture tends to reward personal sacrifice instead of personal productivity so the reason that i want to be a slash person outside of my work is that i cherish the personal productivity in my life instead of the personal sacrifice rewarded by the society or by my corporation i think that's more rewarding yeah yeah but do you feel like when people try to achieve everything outside yeah do you feel they might even lose some focus or maybe try things that they 
might not actually enjoy, but then are under the social pressure to mm-hmm. try different things just because everybody else is trying, trying different things. Wow, that's another extreme. Yes, I think I am this kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, I try many things. I try, okay, for example, I love guitar. You're not alone. I'm, I'm with you <laughs> on this also. Yeah, because I want to try so many things. But, you know, like a fail fast, fail better. So when you try things and then you know you don't like it, you just move away very fast. For example, um, I love guitar very much. So I bought an acoustic guitar, a Telecaster, impulsively, because I want to learn how to play blues on my acoustic guitar. So I took lessons and then I discovered that, okay, I love watching people playing, oh sorry, not acoustic guitar, it's electric guitar. Yeah, so I love watching people playing electric guitar. I love BB Kings, you know, like the Southern of the Swings. I love watching them playing guitar, boogies, blues. But when you actually try it by yourself, it's not that easy. And then, yeah, and maybe you don't really enjoy it. So it's like, okay, no more electric guitar. I'm going back to acoustic or even classic. So yes, you have the opportunity to try. You are losing focus in a period of your life, but then you get back to the things that you actually like and you vote, like you, you spend time on it. Yeah. So I don't think it's a bad thing. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I don't to think... To fail. Personally, yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing as well. And in fact, I 100% agree because I end up doing the same thing as well. There is a risk where, and I can see it happening where I spread myself so thin and I try so many different things and I overbook my calendar so much Sometimes you could say it's the fear of missing out. But for me, I'm okay if I miss out on stuff. But I still have this urge within me to do as many things as I can. So if I miss out on something, it's fine. I'm I'm not upset because I missed out on something. Maybe I'm a little upset, but it doesn't bother me as much. But what does bother me is that that's one thing that I have not tried and I lost the opportunity to try it. But if somebody tells me that it's happening next week again, okay, I'm a, I'm a happy chappy. Then I'll just go do it again the next week. So yeah, th- there's definitely a drawback that we have to be aware of where you don't overwork yourself, but definitely try that. And I completely agree when you say you uh, work to live. So I'm, I'm a similar, I have a similar opinion as well definitely not live to work and it could be a generational thing that I you think it's that very you said as well a generation of things yeah because look at um okay just look at our cv nowadays for people whose age is under 35 people change their job very often it's not like our parents stick to one job in their whole lifetime first of all they don't have the opportunity yeah and secondly maybe in their value it's not a good thing to do like my parents, they don't really understand how can I jump from company to companies. They think it's... Um, it's like, it, where's the loyalty? Yeah, exactly. They will always feel like, okay, she's playing. She doesn't care about her job. But no, that's not the case. Because for our industry, maybe if you stay in a center corporation, it, uh, the opportunity of being promoted or get to a better position is quite slight. You have to do it. It's a industry norm, yeah. So I guess we have a consensus on definitely we're working to live, yes. not live to work. No. And I think a lot of people, I'd be interested to know if they actually think on the flip side, yeah. I'd like to hear their views as to why they 
live to work? No. Work to live. Live to work. They live to work. They live to work. Because I can imagine maybe there's people who are so passionate about their work. Their job. That they just live to do that. I actually have many friends in China like that. And there's a concept called... 996 mm-hmm. in China. I don't know have you heard about it. Never heard of it. It's actually quite viral and in half a year ago. Okay. 996 means you work from 9 in the morning to 9 in the evening and you work 6 days per week. That's a working culture in a lot of um, tech companies in China. Okay. Yes, yeah, so they encourage you to make your office as your home right. and then you stay there, work with your colleague Lunchtime, dinner time, go to the canteen of the company campus. Yeah. And then, yeah, basically, you, you sacrifice your life in the company. Yeah, for a lot of my friends, they are happy to do it. Yeah, I don't want to judge people saying, okay, because they are losing the goal in their life. Yeah. They don't know what to do um, apart from work. But I have to say, according, my, according to my experience in China, I have to say in a lot of companies that work in, in my past years, I actually have colleagues, for example, they are the husband, they are the father in the family, but they don't want to leave the office after the working hours. They will stay in the office playing games, you know, like doing nothing just to avoid the family responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... So yeah. it's not because they enjoy the work, it's they find work to be an excuse to avoid all the other responsibilities. Some of them. Okay. I'm suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. And then I think that's a culture which is very popular in Asia. If you think about the working culture in Japan, yeah, like go to work work and then be off work at night and go to a pub with your boss, like another social with your colleague after work. How can you actually take it? So without a social driven factor so you can't actually do it so it's a cultural thing as well to leave to work right yeah and i think that's that's like a good place for me to ask you this yeah like what is the basis of your work ethic like where did you you've obviously worked for a few years now Mm -hmm. um did somebody tell you that when you join an office this is what is how work life is or did you just build it over time everyone has some sort of work ethic like this is the amount of effort that i'm going to put in or this is the amount of hours that i need to be there so what is your go-to mantra or work ethic as such so actually i did some research of this work ethic yesterday okay because i don't really know how to answer this kind of question so by checking the metrics of work ethic in general Mm -hmm. i think maybe use Honesty and responsibility can best describe my work ethic. Okay. So when I say responsibility, it doesn't mean I'm 100% responsible okay. to my corporation. Of course, I try to pretend I am 100%. <laughs> but because we work in the creative industry, yeah. when you go for a new job interview, you always go with a portfolio. So when I say responsibility, I mean, okay, I will put 90% responsible to the project I work on to make sure that our company is making money. Yeah. And, but I will also take responsibility to my personal skill because I don't want to 
eventually become like a slave-driven machine that right. works for my company. Yeah. I want to have some benefit for myself, contribute to my portfolio as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like a balance to be responsible to the project, to the company, yeah. but also to be responsible to your personal growth and development. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a healthy way of thinking of work because mm-hmm. let's be honest your life can never be driven by somebody else benefit you always have to buy find benefit for yourself to drive your life to go forward yeah. and then you have a better life yeah no that makes sense mm-hmm. and for me the like for like you said honesty and responsibility yes. for me the like for like similar terms but yeah. not exactly the same for honesty i would like to say um or rather, let me tackle responsibility first. For responsibility, yeah. I'd like to say accountability. Accountability, yeah. Yeah, it's that's kind right. of like responsibility, mm. but you also responsibility means sometimes it's only the good stuff. Okay. Like you're responsible and you take care of it and you're a good person. Accountability takes into or it factors sometimes you can do wrong, sometimes you can do right, and it's okay to make mistakes. But you're still accountable for that and you still own up and say, oh, yeah, I I made this mistake and now I will have to learn from it. Mm. So that's uh, definitely for me, that's really core in a work ethic as such. And in terms of honesty, I'd like to correlate it with transparency. In what way? So, you know how I I think if I understood you right, by honesty, you mean you're honest with your coworkers or your teammates Yes, um, no pretend I'm working 24 hours. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And mm. and it's kind of correlated, but not exactly the same. And I think the reason being, when you're transparent in mm-hmm. what you're doing, you're not only being honest, but you're also communicating. Exactly. So it's honesty plus communication. Mm. And when you're completely transparent, it makes a good case if you're not doing things really well, then you will be called out for that. Mm. But if you're doing things really well, then you've got really nothing to worry about. Yeah. I like uh, your explanation of the transparency because I think that's very important in the workspace, being transparent. And then let your co-workers know you are also human beings. You are making mistakes. Instead of, you know, showing everybody that I'm perfect, 100%, no mistakes, no. That's not even our financial model was calculated. They always have the margin, like risk management, to show that, okay, you actually have the time to fail and to make mistakes. And that's within the eight hours that we work every day. Not like I'm going to spend another four hours after my eight hours to fix my mistakes. And I think people should be clear and be on the same page about this. Because I think currently in our industry, people think the eight hours every day is like, I'm full on eight hours. I work like a machine. And I just produce, 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 and without any mistakes. No, that's not even the mach- how the machine works. Machine needs time to be maintained. And then they have to be recorded to adapt to the new trends. Mm-hmm. It's not like we can work like a machine. Yeah. Yeah. So an interesting thing that I came across last week regarding, and since you mentioned a 40-hour work week, is do you know who who came up with the 40-hour work week? Tim Ferriss? No? No. (laughs) So he came up with a 4-hour work week. Uh, uh, Oh, 40-hour. 40-hour. No. Which is is what we do, or which is what most of the companies do right now. Yeah. That's the person I cursed. (laughs) 
<laughs> All the time. Do, do you want to know the name? Okay, tell me. It's actually Henry Ford. Really? Yes. <laughs> But why eight hours? So, at the turn of the century, or you know, late eighteen hundreds, people used to work sixty, seventy hours a week, and obviously the industries were such, and the labor was manual. So people had to put in that kind of work to deliver the things which was of that standard that day. But then, as we got into the nineteen hundreds and nineteen twenties, Henry Ford, with his Ford Motor Factories, said, "You know what? I'm going to reduce the number of hours and make it in such a way where people get the incentive, because compared to seventy, forty was so much better. But it still is forty hours." a week and then they saw it being so effective and his business was flourishing as well so all the other companies just followed suit 40 hours and that's since 19th century without the machines and computers they were using so in 2020 we should definitely reduce the hours actually i saw the news in the microsoft in japan They actually reduced the work week into a four-day work week did you see that i saw that they yeah. were testing it yeah and then I actually saw a report, but I didn't check if it's credible or not. Says actually the employees they work more productive after their working days has been reduced to four days, since they reduce the time of commuting. Because you know it's in Japan and people live in the suburbs, they spend lots of time commuting, and then they spend more time with their family, less concerned, more peace in mind, and then they actually work more productive. Maybe it's an industrial thing. Because Microsoft, they are in the tech companies, so they are they are the pioneer of learning how to work remotely, how to cooperate online, and how to measure the productivity, yeah, with data. Yeah, I don't know if that applies to our industry, but for sure we have to figure our way out instead of say blaming. No, sorry, we can't do this. No, there's a way out. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, we need to pu- keep pushing the envelope. Make sure that we're always. Trying something new. It might not be the solution,、yeah. but at least we're trying to figure stuff out. And it's usually the pain points that forces you to check for alternative solutions. Exactly, just like the coronavirus outbreak. Yeah. And then yeah. Which forced you to work from home remotely, and、yes. then you found yourself in a different workflow, a different、yeah. style of working, which seems like it's not as hard as people think it is. It is not difficult at all. At the beginning, actually, on my flight back from China to Dubai,、mm-hmm. I was a bit concerned because I was kind of thinking, okay, the equipment at home cannot support me to work at all. Should I turn my TV into a big screen, just like <laughs> what we did in the office? Should I do this and do that? But when you have to do it, you figure your way out. Where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> yeah, and. This is the perfect point where I want to tell, let you know about something called Parkinson's law. Yeah, I knew do, that. Do you know that? Yes. It was yes. so interesting. So the for those who are listening and don't know what Parkinson's law is, definitely Google it. It means that your work will contract or expand based on the amount of time that you're given. So if you have a short period of time and you're given a lot of work, you will pace it accordingly. And you will remove the slack. You will remove your coffee breaks or whatever it is that takes time, and you will try to finish it. Whether you finish it or not is, you know, a different thing. But at least you will try to finish it. Whereas if you got the same tasks and more time, then you will expand that work 
to make sure you just about finish it in that deadline. Yeah, so you have to set short deadline, short period of time when you try to manage your project instead of giving yourself a long deadline. I totally agree with that. Because apart from the quarantine article, I was actually writing another Chinese article on the media and for a, like a Chinese platform. And yes, so it, it's a lot of a back and forth between me and my editor in terms of their article because they want something, you know, like to make people feel like shocking, panicking, you know, the news effect. Very but sensational. Yeah, very sensational. But for me, I just want to write what I feel. So it's like a 20 days back and forth. And then last date, and he says, sorry, tomorrow we are going to publish because we don't have any article in the Middle East. So he sent me his new edits and I have to give him back before four o'clock a.m. Dubai time. So literally that day I wake up at 3.30 just to finish the article in half an hour and I'm done. Yeah, I have to say that's like a best case of Parkinson law. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's perfect. Yeah. Like the minute you you're faced with a deadline, automatically your your work schedule just automatically or um, you take a little bit of effort to realign it. Yeah. But you do realign it to make sure that it meets that timeline. Yeah, that's the best thing the machine should learn from our human beings because under the Parkinson law, you prioritize your task so perfectly. Yeah, so perfectly. And then it's like allow you to finish things on time. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's pretty agile as well. Yeah, it's true. And that's in real life, that's what happens, right? Sometimes yeah. you've got a client that says, hey, we're just uh, pushing the deadline forward. And now you're, you plan for a lot more time, but now you don't have that time. Yeah. And you have to figure a way the around it. The most important, it. most effective things to do in yep. the task. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why we get so many short time project now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. But I have to say, yes, in terms of the project, you finish the task on time. But mentally, you're suffering more. Like you feel so tired, you feel collapsing after the Parkinson law has been applied to you in a short period of time, you feel like, okay, I need a longer sleep to uh, compensate. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, so I've not read too much about it. This was literally a couple of sentences that I heard and I thought it was really interesting. Definitely people should correct me if I'm wrong on this, but there is a breaking point for Parkinson's law. I, I think if you reduce the time so much that it's impossible for something to be completed, there's no way that it's humanly possible to, you know, literally just pick a few things and still meet that successive, that, sorry, that successful barrier to say that, okay, this work has been successful. I don't think you can compress the timeline as much. So th that I think there's might a be limit. the, yeah, yeah, that might be the breaking point. Yeah, I think it should definitely be a cap instead of saying, okay, for example, Shinchi, you can do this and we need you to finish the production part of the project. I will put you in two hours. Because of the Parkinson law, you're going to finish it. Yeah, but no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you have to be realistic as well. Yeah, you can't yeah. hold people hostage and say, hey, Parkinson law says, yeah. you know, this yeah. and hence just manage it. What I want to ask you, and this is a kind of a double question. One is, at, I'm, I'm going to try to see the cultural aspect of it also because you mentioned Japan and, China. and you're from China as well yeah. and just the work discipline yeah. you know different people have different ways of working it, it could be a very individual thing also mm -hmm. but I think 
culture, the place, the environment that they grow up in also affects the way they approach work. Very much. So do you ever feel that you're influenced by the space that you grew up in and that affects the way you work? Mm, I think so, yes. For example, okay, I have to confess this. I take a lot of things. Like if I take a job, like the task, and I have the ownership on it, sometimes I will feel quite personal. I will be feeling like, okay, it's part of my asset. I have to do it well. Otherwise, it's not like, how can I describe this? I have to do the task that I feel I have ownership with. Otherwise, I feel like sorry for myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's why sometimes you see me very quiet, not even talking and very tense in the office because I just want to make it right and prove that, you know, it's my project and then I am able to do it well. But actually, I feel that puts a lot of pressure on me. And then just by, you know, focusing on one task, one project and try to make it work by yourself is not the best way to make things better. You have to talk to people and cooperate. I think that's the part from my culture that gives me, you know, in the Asian society, um, people are disciplined by the social rules. No discipline by, um, how to say? You mean it's not internal? It's not really internal, yes, okay. exactly. I remember when I joined my first company in Shanghai, and my director told me, okay, don't look at the outcome of your project. You have to look further. Like what you are doing today is for your future dreams. Even though I don't know what is the future dreams about. Yeah, but they always try to put what you are doing now to a unforeseeable outcome. So, and that makes you feel like uh, like a moral pressure if you don't do things right or like take a full responsibility on on it. Does that make sense? Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that. Guilt and fear yeah, guilt, exactly. can be a strong yeah. motivator, which yeah. is internal. And you just felt that, you know, you feel stressed, you feel anxious. And I think that's probably because you set an expectation for yourself. And sometimes when you're not able to match it, or maybe somebody else puts an expectation and you're not able to match it, you automatically feel it in your stomach. You feel it physically and your muscles are tightened and your heart's beating a little bit faster. You're probably sweating. So your body's telling you as well that, hey, you're going into this panic or anxiety. Mm. But just by talking to you now, it's a guilt, right? Yeah. It's from, it's like an external force. Yeah. It's not from within. So if you're doing things under the pressure of guilt, it's actually not healthy mentally. Oh, it's not? <laughs> it's not. Like Tim Ferriss said all the time, like you, you should ask yourself, instead of what do you want or what is your goal, you should ask yourself and um, what excites you. So if you are working towards something that excites you, instead of driven by external force, guilt, so-called guilt, and then you will feel happier and more motivated and you're actually doing things in a more healthy way instead of refraining yourself in your internal world and do yeah. it. It's yeah. not the volume of work, but it's the output of yeah, the work. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Mm. So... In your mind, mm -hmm. what is a really productive day for you? Right. You mean like uh, in a Thursday, uh, sorry, Sunday to Thursday weekdays or like a normal day? Any day. Well, what's your ideal productive day? Uh, okay, I will have two scenarios. So for 
if it's a holiday, for example, when I'm traveling, A, I do productive day is a day that I fully accomplish everything on my itinerary. Okay. Yeah. So you have a checklist. Yeah, I have a checklist. I finish okay. all the checklist and then I discover something new okay. apart from the checklist. Okay. Yeah. And after that, I have time to reflect and write something about what I actually experienced. I personally, I always thought that writing in a journal is really weird. Why? I don't know. I, I just couldn't... Not on a daily basis. Right, right. Yeah. Like even even just writing stuff down about what you feel, to me, it was an alien concept. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, plus, my memory doesn't help me. So whatever I feel, it's, it's fleeting. Mm. I feel it. I realize that I'm feeling it. And then I forget it. So that's why you need to write it down. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I see the importance right now. And I'm doing this. I, I like to do try out different things. Mm. There was a time when I, for a month, I woke up at 5 a.m. every day and took cold showers because I saw a YouTube video that yeah. said it's really cool. Yeah. What uh, do you view? It, it was really cool. I watched a lot of Game of Thrones because <laughs> <laughs> it came out in <laughs> early morning here in Dubai. So yeah. I would be up and I would watch the episode before everyone else so everyone would not talk to me because of spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun like that. But then uh, I never really pushed myself to do that again. And maybe I might do that also. You need a push from the Parkinson law. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how I started writing during my quarantine. Because, yeah, I, have, I, I made this editor online. So I have commitment to write things and to the website. And then, you know, there's a time difference between China and here. It's a four hours ahead so i actually have to wake up early and finish my writing and then send them to review and then you know because you have the motivation of your idea is going to be published so yeah you have the motivation so what was the second one that you said that you said you want to split it into mm -hmm. two yeah so when i was on holiday it's mm -hmm. something different okay but if and on your work day on my work day right yeah did i ever tell you the confusion in my life when I try to make a plan for, for example, during the weekend, I would try to make a plan for my next week. And then when I look at my journal book, I just feel like, okay, I would do many things before eight o'clock AM. And then I have many plans after five o'clock PM. But within the eight hours in the office, it's always blank. It's not like, it's actually out of my control, maybe because of my stage in my career are not in the management level. So a lot of things is like you go in the office and people tell you what to do. Right. Yeah. Okay, that, that's not really healthy, to be honest, in the way that people manage their project because at least the employees should be notified what they are going to do within a week instead of at the beginning of the day. What if you die because of a car accident? I'm going to be there <laughs> doing nothing. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and so for a productive weekdays, it would be I achieve my plan from 8 o'clock, uh, before 8 o'clock a.m. And I achieve my plan after the eight, um, 5 o'clock p.m. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. In general, before 8 a.m., it would be, okay, I'll do some exercise. I do my yoga. Maybe I can spare half an hour, do some writing. And afterwards, after work, it will be more like, okay, I catch up with my friends in Marina, or we go for a walk, 
stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So the gap in between where you're eight hours at work, mm-hmm. you don't feel that contributes to your productive day? I don't think so. Wow. Okay. I don't really feel that. Maybe because of my work. And I told you many times as well. Actually, I talk about this with another co-worker on Thursday. I just feel like my work is always being tested and it has to be approved by so many people. You don't have a free thought in your work. Yes, it's in a creative industry. I try to convince myself that I'm doing a creative work. But looking back to the things I'm doing, it's always like I'm uh, just a compartment on the same assembling line because I'm good at something, so I'm always doing the same thing. I don't really feel like there's much progress in my career. Yeah, I don't know if other cohorts feel the same, but at least in my last two years, I feel like I'm just doing the same thing. But maybe my skill gets better and better, and I can make it quicker and quicker. But it doesn't mean that I really have the satisfaction during the eight hours. Yeah, that's something I should work on to make my day more productive. Because apart from the eight hours, I barely have any time because I have to sleep eight hours as well. Right. (laughs) So that's eight and eight, 16. And that leaves you with another eight. Yeah, another eight, which might be two hours on the way to work. Yes. And another two hours over time. Yeah, which is a norm. Yeah. So that leaves you with four hours. Yeah, only for yourself. One hour for lunch, one hour for dinner. That's that's my problem. I have to choose dinner or exercise or catch up <laughs> with my flatmate. Yeah, it's like I don't know. Is he normal in that industry or it's just my problem? I don't know. So I don't know if it's industry specific. I think I've not really done any research on how different industries tackle it. What I do know is that it could be a personal thing. Different people might have choices in how they want to do that work. Some people just want to be in the office and finish off what they've committed to. Some people think they can break it into smaller pieces and finish it slowly as well. So I think it might be managing time is something Mm. that we learn along the way. Yeah. For me, uh, during the eight hours, I just want to finish my tasks. Yeah. So I'll be really focusing. I don't even have any time. Like I don't really check WhatsApp or stuff like that because I don't really have the luxury to do it. So that's why maybe I feel like these eight hours, because I focus so much in the work, which doesn't contribute to my personal life at all. So maybe that's why I feel it's a blank space on my schedule. If we propose that we're going to give you a four-day work week, yeah, would you actually be happy or sad? I would actually be very happy. Really? Yeah. But because then you have to squeeze... Uh, the fifth day yeah. somewhere into an already packed eight, eight hour day which is already packed in the five day work week mm-hmm. and now you're adding more to the four day work week but you do get that fifth day to do something right mm, can I tell you something according to my quarantine experience sure because you work remotely and then I am the only one who worked by myself at home so actually, I get more time to actually see what I'm done every day. So in my quarantine time, I'm definitely focusing more and finish more tasks. But since people have to communicate with you by emails or messages, so they think twice before they actually talk to you. And then you see through more things. For example, I've been working three days on a project. 
um, for a client's review presentation. But two hours before the review, uh, the pre presentation, the project manager actually told us the client is going to propose something new in the presentation, which means in the last three days, what we were doing is actually useless. S and you don't realize it if you are in the office environment because you just keep doing things without thinking, without posing, without reflecting. Yes, yeah, so I think people should actually reflect what they are doing all the time because I feel like in our office at least, there are so many things people do while panicking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then they actually don't think twice before proceeding. I think that's something helps that's something that makes you feel so useless after the eight hours every day because you are repeating mistakes and you don't pick time to fix it mm -hmm. and you are always working things on last minute. Are there any other key takeaways from when you were under quarantine? Many things. Okay. Yeah. So, um, firstly, I feel like I manage my life much, much better. Yeah. I try to find space, head space, time space buffer time for myself to do things before and after work that's what i discovered in the quarantine er period because i was alone at home and then i actually try to think about how to make make my daily life better and then i was implementing them during the 14 days because i have more time i can actually be offline at five o'clock yeah and then be away from work yeah that's the major takeaway i have more discipline in my life and then, yeah, I achieve more every day and it extends until now. Yeah, that's why I appreciate it in the current time. And what else? I get to see through the workflow in our daily work. Yeah, and I see so many redundant work that we can actually avoid. And then so many things that we can do better by communicating better. For example, talk to people after thinking about what you are actually trying to say mm -hmm. is really important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that should be a default. Yeah, that should be a default, but people still can't do it nowadays. Yeah. Mm, yes, and I started to write. That's a good thing. Okay. Yeah. Do you enjoy mm. writing? Very much. You know why? No, tell me. As I said, like, I feel like our work every day is always, needs, it's like a test every day. You have to be approved by so many people there even though they don't have the standard answer but to write is something different i get the feedback immediately from my readers and i actually expressing the thoughts that i want to express without anybody's permission anybody's censored yeah so that's something makes you feel a lot of more satisfaction than doing your daily work okay i want to ask you the same question okay yeah what do you think is a productive day for me yes in the weekdays mm -hmm. and then you know holidays in the holidays definitely yeah. trying new things what do you mean in which scale <laughs> uh, <laughs> on 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 any scale something if if i do something that i haven't done before it gives me a lot of joy sometimes it's just learning a new board game sometimes it's just playing a new video game sometimes it's meeting a new person uh, going or doing something that I've never done before. We are lucky to be in a city where things are constantly happening and we have options as opposed to, I guess, being in a village, just doing the same job over and over again. And maybe there's two things to do. I 
personally would get really bored. And I think the social interactions in the city that we're in also allows us to meet more interesting people and find out what are the other interesting things that they're doing. And I, I guess it just multiplies. So that, that really helps as well. On a working day, what I find productive is... I have learned from you here. Uh, really? To plan my work days more productively. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. my go-to. So I, I try to put together a list of things that yeah. I want to do. And sometimes I spend way too much time organizing, <laughs> which takes up my time of production. Yeah. And I, I acknowledge that risk. But what I try to do is I organize it and then I make sure that I just take them off, which is the usual thing that I feel almost everyone does. But the w the time when I feel really productive is when I finish things on time. Yeah. And it's not about compressing or expanding the work. It's just about, you know, the satisfaction that you get that, okay, I was responsible Antique. for this. Yes. Yeah, and, I, and I've done it. The, the satisfaction of finishing that checklist so I think, yep, that's that's pretty productive. Definitely not taking away the fact that the value of the work that I do versus the work that I do, is it really going to help anyone? Maybe I'm writing a report that nobody's ever going to read or maybe I'm sending an email that uh, to a person I don't really like. But at the end of the day, I'm, I, I try to look at the bigger picture. Sometimes the bigger picture is not clear to me. But if you're doing something good and you're not harming anyone else in the process, I think it's very altruistic, it's very idealistic, but sometimes that's the only happiness that I take out of it. Right. And it's an overall feeling. It's on a day-to-day -day basis, there's so many things that we try to do in a day. The feelings that you feel might be depending on a good lunch that you had, or a good chat that you had with your mm -hmm. colleague in the morning. Or maybe just, you know, kissing your partner, good morning or mm. good night. Those are the little things that you find happiness in. Um, but in terms of productivity, I think, yeah, it, it could be just the checklist and finishing stuff that you committed to. So here's a tough question. Would you prefer a four-day work week or five-day work week with one remote working day? Mm. Is the pay the same? <laughs> <laughs> valid question but yeah assuming that it's paid the same it's paid the same can i choose yeah i want to try both first and then can i actually choose like for example at the beginning of each month i can choose okay these two weeks i want to work for four days um but the last two weeks i want to work one day remotely by five days yeah, I like if it. I get the options, I will be happier because you're always happier when you have the options. I like it. Yeah. Is it just because there are options or because it's more flexible? More flexible, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Good choice. Uh, <laughs> you know what? If somebody asked me to choose, I might have chosen one or the other. Yeah. But I like the way how you got best of both worlds by saying, can I keep it flexible? Can I choose either yeah, or? Yeah, because I want to try first. <laughs> <laughs> No, it makes yeah. sense. Uh, managing it, maybe it might become a nightmare, but hopefully we find the tools that help people managing these times to make it a bit more yeah. simpler so it's not a nightmare. Um, and yeah, so that people can collaborate better as well. What do you think about the meetings that we have nowadays? 
especially in our industry. Do you think there are many unnecessary meetings they were still doing in our work environment? It's a hard one, this question. <laughs> Because, so my workflow doesn't have a lot of meetings in it. Uh, it's more of coordination rather than decision-making. The decisions are already made. It's usually just communication and letting people know that this is what's going on. So it can be a bit one-sided, and especially if it's a virtual meeting and if it's one-sided, you don't even know if people are actually listening to you. Exactly. Like, sorry, my, my, my line was breaking the last half an hour. <laughs> can you repeat? <laughs> so yeah. sometimes it can be a bit ineffective that way. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it is communicating information. Yeah. So which means you still have to either listen to the entirety or hope that there's a better way to just get concise, short exactly. information that you need to know. Yeah. I think it's also a cultural thing because mm -hmm. I, I was reading this book cultural map i really like it okay it talks about and um, how different culture for example asian european or even in asia and uh, indian japanese and chinese doing business in a very different way for example in japan and um, it's a it's a society requires consensus so whichever decision you make should be from bottom up consensus from the lower level to the upper levels but in china it might be a very top down approach so we don't have this consensus um, procedure so the leaders just make the decisions and the people underneath will just proceed it so yes maybe in the Chinese culture meetings sounds redundant because the decision is made and the rest of people will just evacuate <laughs> but in Japan it's important because okay. in the culture consensus is a very essential thing right. yeah so meeting might be a little bit important yeah In Tim Ferriss, for our work week, he says, meetings are an addictive, highly self-indulgent activity that corporations and other organizations habitually engage in only because they cannot actually masturbate. I have to say, <laughs> this is really true. Yeah. You're clearly a big fan of Tim Ferriss. And, well, I'm, I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss as well. Yeah. The whole podcasting idea was mm -hmm. actually thanks to Tim Ferriss. Yeah, but I have to say, Tim Ferriss, maybe it's better that you just focus on productivity, mm -hmm. on work, like uh, streamline workflows instead of doing things about, you know, bodybuilding or whatsoever. Because yeah. that's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tim Ferriss, if you're listening to this, yeah. this is a recommendation from Shinji. But yeah, focus on the productivity. Yeah, focus on what you are good at. Focus <laughs> on your strengths instead of spending time on something that you are not really familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> But he's going to come back at you and say, hey, Shinji, you said you'd like to try out Tr different things. things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he's trying out different things and he's sharing his education with us. Right. By the way, this whole podcasting setup, mm -hmm. uh, compared to the last time, I'm hoping that our listeners will have a better listening experience right. because this whole mic recorder setup is actually Tim Ferriss's recommendation. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, we two are like such a huge fan of Tim Ferriss. This, this is the Tim Ferriss fan club. <laughs> <laughs> you inspired the whole generation. <laughs> no, no, he's actually really good and I think he has a, a lot of good stuff to say. His guests are really informative as well mm. and I definitely listen to him and get a lot of positive information. Yeah, yeah. Um, since you read a lot of books, 
Do you have any recommendations? What are you currently reading and what do you think that our listeners should read? I'm currently reading Hormone Deuce and Lonely Planet for Canada because I'm planning a trip. Okay. Yeah, but I went to South Africa last December. Hormone Deuce from Yuval Noah Harari? Yeah, the name okay. that I can never say. <laughs> <laughs> it's an exciting book. Okay. And it shows you such a contrast perspective and when we are encountering this coronavirus outbreak now. Because yeah. in the book, it says, in our generation, what we are going to achieve is immorality instead of facing the problems caused by war, disease, and famine. Mm -hmm. But if that's what we are going to face, how can you explain the pandemic that mm -hmm. we are actually dealing with now? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I was reading the book, and I was so excited by the idea on my way back to the China, China for the Chinese New Year. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of abandoning the book mm -hmm. when the outbreak happened in China because I just feel like it's such an unrealistic feeling when I read the book, you know, of the brief history of our future. And then the things happening around me is such an opposite yeah. idea compared to what the books are talking about. Yeah. So people are investing their money in inventing a way to live unlimitedly, but they still can't cope with the virus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's the smaller things, right? Because sometimes we look at the bigger picture yeah. and we think that we have it all sorted out, but then you've got other bigger stuff like climate change and yeah. pollution and the way the market is going, the pay gap between the rich and the poor. Exactly, exactly. political situations as mm -hmm. well. So, yeah, I've given up. It's never going to be a perfect world. It it's is. always going to be a mixed bag. Yeah. You try and make the best out of it and yeah. stay happy, stay productive. So that's why I want to recommend this book. Stay happy even though you are in a not very positive environment. Mm -hmm. So Bournemouth... Bomber Crime from mm -hmm. Trevor Noah yeah. about his childhood history in South Africa mm -hmm. under the years of apartheid. Yeah. yeah. It's really fun. It's a good good book. Okay. You read it with love and tears. No yeah. way. We need some positivity nowadays. All right. Yeah. So I'll, I'll definitely check that out as well. Yeah. Uh, what am I reading? I'm reading this book called The Originals. The Originals? By Adam Grant. <laughs> yeah. He's a workplace organizational psychologist. Yeah. I, I like to read a little bit of psychology as well. Me too, actually. I found... But do you think if you read too much psychology books that you eventually grasp a theory of how to actually tackle your problems? <laughs> and then when you have a real issue, you can't really heal yourself because you know too much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's a real danger. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if psychologists treat themselves either. I think uh, there's no treatment. <laughs> <laughs> like mm. you know what's going on wrong, but and you know what's going to fix it, yes. but you don't. You don't really believe it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, but Wh yeah, what is the book about? Originals is about how different people yeah. who we idolize, like Mahatma Gandhi or Nelson Mandela, mm -hmm. or they're just regular people. Yeah. But what really sets them apart? Yes. So I've just started reading the book. Yeah. And he's got a few theories in there that makes us think that we're not too different from them. But we're, then one makes... just the same. Yeah. But he explains why... What did they do differently? That right. That really helped. Like, for, for example... For example... Mandela, our South African friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
was er sie mit He was ready to risk his life mm-hmm. for a belief that he had. Yes. And that's what set him apart. And there's similar characters as well. Even if we look at simple things like an mm-hmm. uh, entrepreneur, a company owner, he's putting all his hard work and money into an idea that he believes will be successful, mm. probably will help people, probably will earn him some more extra cash. But he's still putting it all in there mm. and then finding the differential why is it different from everything else that's out there so finding that is also quite important right definitely um, i'll let you know how the read goes right i'll finish uh, hormone deals as well it's actually a book introduced by my flatmate mm-hmm. and her mom likes it as well yeah yeah i i found uh sapiens by yuval noah harari quite interesting mm-hmm. i had got so many good reviews about it yeah But unfortunately, I think it's actually fallen a little below par for me. Uh, I think okay. it's too simple. Sometimes even a point of a little bit of sensationalism mm-hmm. in there, which I understand. It, w- it was really cool for me to read. And all these interesting facts that I studied about and I forgot about back mm-hmm. in school, he revised it. Yes. So which is because I remember reading everything that he says in very quick paragraphs to be expanded textbooks mm. that I had back in school. But back then, uh, you know, you just read, you memorize, you write the exam and you forget about it. All right. <laughs> so but, but that's that's really cool as yeah. well. Happily that we are still reading books and buying books. Yeah, I yeah. got a Kindle for my birthday. Nice. <laughs> so now I'm going to yeah. be a digital nomad reading all these digital books. Yeah, the best feeling is to read books on the airplane. While everybody's watching videos, while you are reading. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Yep. Well, Shinchi, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for inviting Thank me again. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. And hopefully, we had a good conversation about just productivity in general. Yeah. And hopefully, everyone else listening will also have or take some takeaways. Yeah. From your opinions and my opinions and what we think regularly mm-hmm. about productivity in general yes actually i really want to know people's thoughts on how to make their quarantine life more productive mm-hmm. yeah because we really need these positive tips in terms yeah. of the current situations yeah so yeah. if you're listening to this and if you reach this point mm-hmm. in the podcast yes definitely let us know what your thoughts are yeah on what's the best way to be productive exactly Not to say that you should be in quarantine, but if you're working remotely, yeah, I guess, working remotely or self-quarantining yourself, yeah, how you resist from the temptation of your cats, <laughs> and your kids, and your parents. <laughs> yeah, and definitely read Shinchi's experience while she was in self-quarantine as well. I think it's an excellent read. Um, the link to that will be in the show notes. Uh, give it a read. Make sure that you like her post. Uh, thank you once again, Shinchi. Thank you, Nick. And that brings us to the end of episode two. I hope you enjoyed our chat. Took at least a couple of interesting things that you can Google and find out more about. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. So stay tuned for upcoming episodes on your preferred platform. Lastly, do you have something cool and interesting to share? Would you want to be featured on this podcast? Just give me a shout. As always. Thanks so much for listening and catch you in the next one.